What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Well, well, we couldn't do it. We could not achieve the one goal I had for this season, which was which was to at least at least sweep the Falcons. You would have thought no Julio, Matt Ryan on what we thought was going to be a decline, a whole team in a rebuild. You would think, you would think, especially when we played them, you know, first time around, and we beat them. Then you would have thought that we were able to sweep the Falcons, but lo and behold, the Panthers found a way to be even more Panther than normal and, and yeah. mess that up too. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it, it will, it would be us to lose to a team that's missing their best wide receiver right now that hasn't played pretty much for the entirety of the year. And we still get, we give up. Oh, I mean, Russell Gage is going crazy. Tajay Sharp looks like a hall of famer. You know, Hayden Hurst. We saw we we saw him for the first time in, cool. in weeks. I mean, good lord! I, I, yeah, it was, it was. This is about the most Panther way I could imagine losing a game, though. Like it just fits everything we've been as a franchise for twenty some odd years. This is exactly how I thought I thought it would go. Yeah, I mean, as Panthers fans, we never have a good feeling about late season games against the Falcons, and you know, usually they don't go well. But today was. Um, that times a hundred, it was, uh, it was tough to watch at this point in the season and, uh, we'll get into it, but you know, that it was, it was Falcons in December times a hundred. I will break it down. We'll go, I'm, we're going to go group by group with this one. I would say at least for the groups that had impact, we'll start clearly off, you know, with number one. I mean, he is, you know, he is the, the end all be all you ride with them or die with them this week. I, it's so hard. It's so tough because you got to stay objective about it. And I, it's hard because also if you defend cam now, it's like, Oh, you're just, you know, in love with the cam experience. I'm like, no, okay. There's other issues other than cam. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not, you know, questioning the fact that I think he's trying his absolute hardest. I'm not, I'm not questioning his motives, his mentality. I'm not questioning any of that. I just don't know if, 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 if it's in the stars, I don't know physically what he can do right now is going to line up with the lack of coaching and the lack of help he's going to get. I mean, it's basically like, it's basically like rookie cam almost with, you know, nobody around him. Like he's got, you know, uh, there's just no, there's no help. And even, even with the talent we have, it's still the worst line we've almost ever had. And that's, I never thought I would say that, but I mean, it's just, some of those, some of those were getting, he was getting free. There were free runs of the quarterback. And so some of those turnovers, like I, we talked about before, he's got to change his shoes. I don't know what cleats he was wearing for this game, but those got to go. Those got to go in the garbage. Cause you, I've never seen him fall like that. He was looking like big Ben. And I was like, I don't understand what was going on right there. Yeah. He looked old and fragile at, at, at certain points times in the game, man. But yeah, man, uh, you know, it, I, I love that. Uh, we, we all love Cam, Brian. I think I've come to the, Come to terms that the, the the experiment is is over. Like we like we understand what this what this was, and again we we understood why they made the decision that they made to even bring him back. But it's over in the sense of there's just no possible way this thing is gonna go well now. You know what I'm saying? Like like with the schedule we have left, with the games we where we didn't win that the, which were game which were all games we had to win if we wanted to have a shot at making the playoffs. Um. The inability to execute anything that we needed to get done in order in order to have a chance. I mean, it's just it, it it's over with. You know, I, I mean, Cam at this point 
obviously passes prime, more so a bridge quarterback than anything else right now. Just doesn't have this. The situation just is it just hasn't been right. And I think besides us wanting Cam to be back for our own personal storybook ending, the situation itself didn't lend to being a good one even prior to him signing. I think we all can look back and say, like you know, this this wasn't it wasn't gonna be right from the beginning. Right, and you know, it was it was worth a try. It was worth a try to bring Cam in and try to revive our season. Of course, it was awesome. Um, really shocking, and I still am shocked that Cam in as a Panther once again. Um, and awesome that they did that. But um, you know, the ship's kind of sailed, and we kind of know what this is. And, you know, at first it started off hot. And uh, we had high expectations, but now it's kind of come back to earth. And, um, you know, he is obviously not one, what he once was, but he also doesn't have much help at all. And today I think you can see, um, like we've talked about all season, but today was one of those where coaching just is just shining through the screen. That That is the main problem. And it puts a cap on each player's potential and what they can do each and every game. And so when you have that capped on you, um, there's there's not a whole lot of places you can go. And that's the next segue into a, an amazing discussion and an amazing segue we need to have for that discussion is that, yeah, I mean, this is clearly the, the one silver lining of maybe this ending not, you know, going as storybook as we would have hoped. Because, look, there was a lot riding against Cam beforehand. And the Cardinals game, unfortunately, it was another one of those cases of the right game at the right time with them having the right lack of players to make us think that we were, you know, and maybe it might be a case of us being a little overexcited, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the fact that there, the, the, the silver lining of this situation is showing that it, it was not a quarterback issue. There was an issue with the quarterback, but our team's success was not dependent upon the quarterback under the helm. It's dependent upon the coaches that we have and the lack of experience and ability that they have. Because, I mean, I'm not saying Cam was 2015 Cam, 2016 Cam, but if you, I mean, your quarterback can only be so good. Tom Brady can only be so good. Bill Belichick still had to orchestrate some of that game, you know, some of that Super Bowl against the Falcons. That's on equal parts of them. You have to draw up those plays. Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, like these guys can only Taylor Heineke, they can only be so good physically to what they can achieve before, you know, it gets to a point where you have to put them in the best scenario. The aggravating part about, about the Panthers, especially this year, and it was last year too. They're the absolute disregard to make any sort of adjustments within the you know, after the first five minutes of the first quarter up until halftime, and then the first five minutes of the second half up until the end of the game when there might be a chance. It seems like they have the first 15 plays ready to go. They run them, they execute them, they're great. You get a touchdown, awesome. Everything after that is just utter, complete chaos and unscripted. Same with the second half. You come out of it. Some games it works, some games it doesn't, depending upon who we're playing. And then they get it, and then it's around the third, you know, the fourth quarter, about seven minutes left, they go, oh, no. If we don't put an effort forward, it's going to look like, you know, we might lose our job. So we need to try. So they put together, you know, a little a too little too late. And and then it goes that's and it goes south of mayor. John Allen said the same thing. The, like, or no, it wasn't John Allen, excuse me, it was Trey Boston said the exact same thing because he knows he's been in this spot. You can only get so much out of yourself. You need someone who's going to put you who's going to train you, skill you, teach you to get the most out of yourself. There And just like Tyler said, a absolute cap on every single one of these players' abilities, including Cam Newton, including Christian McCaffrey. They're only going to go so far if you don't make adjustments. That's what we see. Look at Dean Pease, absolute legend, one of the best defensive coordinators out there. 
eviscerated, <laughs> eviscerated our offensive line with different schemes, the fake blitzes, the, you know, hiding the blitzes. That's where that pick came from from Cam. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put that against Cam. That guy moved back two seconds before Cam threw that ball. I mean, he had Terrace a little bit farther. And that's another thing is that I think Cam started to fall into that Superman mentality. And it's it was a third and six. I've got to get this first down to get the game going. But that doesn't excuse the lack of ability on first and second down because you're not calling good plays. I'm not going to put it up against um, the new new interim. Nixon. Nixon. Thank you. I mean, what were we expecting from him, really? He put together a first drive. If you get a first touchdown drive, that's gravy. But Arthur Smith, who was, you know, was the offensive coordinator for the Titans for the longest time, orchestrated the AFC championship in a lot of those games. He 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 picked apart our defense from top to bottom. And, and I think the, it's where with, coaching with the was simplest in play. game with the simplest game plan at this point. I mean, it was run left. Run left. No matter what, we're just gonna run left. <laughs> and, and we're gonna keep and we're gonna keep hitting it. We're gonna hit we're gonna hit this one side of the ball until the bow breaks and we and, and we're able to control the game throughout it with timely passes. Again, CJ Henderson getting picked apart early on was not the greatest sighting from him. I mean, kind of again, kind of lends to why he was available even after being a top ten draft pick the year the, the year before. And again, just a lot of things working against us. And, and you know, we, you know, last year when we had all, all the close losses, you know, people were just saying, you know, hey, you should feel great because this is a young coaching staff, a young group, and they're losing tight games. I'm like, yes, but why are you losing these games? I always go back to why why are you losing some of these games? Are you losing these games because you're just not as talented? Or are you losing these games because you are because you're getting out coached? Getting getting out coached is one of those things where it doesn't matter what like you said, it doesn't matter what the talent level is around the of the team. DJ Moore, the guy that at this point we thought should be you know budding towards top ten status, you know, in, in this game. He looks nothing of the sorts, close to that. I mean, Robbie Anderson coming off a career year. Looks like he's regressed. I mean, I, he, he looks. I, I don't. I can't remember a time where Robbie Anderson has looked worse in his career, even even in his time with the Jets. So, like you, uh, I mean, we we've been kind of early on the Matt uh, with with Matt Rule and not being a fan of his decision making. And now you're starting to see everybody is starting to come along to it. And now it's it's to the point now where it's like, if you're David Tepper, can you truly get a fan base to continuously believe and buy in? This guy being your coach going into next year, because at this point, with four games left in the season, this season's a wash for five and eight. This that the season's over with. But if you, looking towards the future, can you really get get fans to continuously buy in with 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 this guy being at the helm? Yeah, and you know it was a roller coaster of a game today, like we talked about. But I think it's it sums itself up pretty well at the end. Well, the Falcons are in victory victory formation, trying to take a knee to run out the clock, and meanwhile, in a meaningless play. We're running guys on and off the field um, and trying to figure out who to get out there. And I'm like, all right, that sums this whole thing up in one play. We're, we can't even get our 11 guys out on the field for the last play of the game on a, on a knee. So um, that that's all coaching right there. Of course, you know, like we talked about, a lot is on their part. And, you know, it's even though on all these NFL, you know, I'm watching an NFL game and they cut to a commercial and they start talking about the NFL playoffs and it shows like the playoff picture and has the Carolina Panthers in the hunt. I'm like, just take them off there. I don't, I don't even, even if the record has a chance, just take them off there. Like they're not in the hunt. I don't care what, what the numbers say. No, <laughs> um, they they should not be. So, but don't, and see, let's, and you, uh, Shanti's mentioned, you know, the being out coached. Let's not get it twisted. This isn't, you know, 
This isn't Sean Payton against the Packers, you know, in a shootout. This isn't Sean McVay going up against, you know, the Chiefs and again another shootout or Bill Belichick against, you know, John Harbaugh. This is not that kind of coaching, the, the out coaching where they're both drawing up. Oh, he, they just scored. I got to drop a new way to score. I got to drop another way to score. No, this is just quite simply this coach is being a coach and you are just standing there. Like this coach is making his adjustments, doing things that every coach would tell you, hey, you got to do. They're running up these schemes. Let's do it this way. This play worked for them. Here's how we go about it. He's just not, they're just not doing that. They're absolutely not doing it. And it comes from every facet, offensive line. I, I don't know what the point of moving Dennis Daly was to left tackle on that fumble, because if you want to, if you want to say something, they had a chance to recover that fumble, but look at, go back and look at Dennis Daly. His guy goes right by him. His guy literally runs right around him. There was one play PJ almost got destroyed, or he did get destroyed, excuse me, which yeah. I'm going to mention that. If Matt Ryan's wasn't unnecessary rough, or was if we're not thinking Matt Ryan's hit was unnecessary roughness or roughing the quarterback, then PJ's hit was also not roughing the quarterback because he was hit well before he threw that ball. And so I don't think that that, that was just something that, that I'd seen. But regardless, yeah. I mean, PJ, the guy who hit PJ had an absolutely open lane. No one, no one even touched him. Like the offensive line was again. I mean, I don't, I don't know what we're, what we're surprised. I'm not surprised about it, but it was atrocious. It was absolutely atrocious. And PJ, for some reason, has the ability to, I guess, figure out. You know, he, I think he knows where the issues are, so he knows to how to avoid it. Because he was thrown. You know, he had some good, some good pocket presence, but it just it's every facet of the ball, offensively, defensively. I mean. You want to say you're trying to win the game. You're trying You're trying to keep yourself in these games. You're trying to win the game in the end. It is third and 13. Nobody, they don't have anybody else. I know Russell Gage and Tajay Sharp are cooking you all day. They're running two tight ends and Hayden Hurst. You have, they were, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a misdirection route. It was a simple cross route and you have nobody on Kyle Pitts. And I'm putting that on Shaq too. No one is keying him up. No one's saying, hey, this guy's an insane midfield talent. This is probably his bread and butter. Let's make sure we have somebody on him. And you have, and he is wide open for the first down on the play of the game when you could have had a chance to win. What so in my opinion, I don't think Matt Rule is gonna go. Phil Snow shouldn't be on the bus for the next game. He shouldn't he shouldn't be in the locker room. If, if we're gonna if Brady went last week, because we're so you know, seeing it's not it wasn't really just all Brady. I mean, he was definitely uh, you know uh, a benefit, uh, you know, an issue there, but if, if if Brady went last week, Snow should be right behind him because I don't know uh, what's happened to Snow, but everyone's either figured out how to how to pick apart his defense, or it was never as good as we thought it was. Absolutely, bro. Phil Snow. I, I, look, here's the thing. You know, when it came down to Joe Brady, I thought Joe Brady had concepts that could work. I thought maybe he just wasn't ready for this particular level because we don't even know what his. His resume, even at LSU, was being the passing game coordinator. We don't know who called the plays at LSU. Nobody ever told us who called the plays. At so, I, so, I'm, so until we find out, I don't think we we can even give him as much credit. Looking but, back, what does that even mean? That's such a it's, like vague position. They make up positions for guys they like. They always, they always have. That's, that's, that's what they do. And you know, with Phil Snow, like you said, I mean, it was it's, it was great early. As of late. I mean, I go. You can go back to the Washington game in particular. Many long, long down, long, long down distance situations where the defense gave gave it away. Happened pretty much since Cam has gotten there. That defense has pretty much been on, been on the decline, not being able to get off the field. Something they were great at doing prior. Thirteen, 
simple drag, a simple drag concept that shouldn't have that shouldn't have been what beat you like that like that plays like that like even 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 on one play even on one drive before it was i think i think it was a similar down in distance they go to Kyle Pitts. He run the he run the curl. He's, he's, he's just right in the curl zone at the first down marker. I think I still like I think on like a third thirteen again. So somewhere that somewhere in that range. And again, I don't know. I don't understand how this defense has no sense of down and distance. It's gotten to the point where and, I and if I see, players like you know. It's, well, it's gotten to the point where if I see a third and more than ten, I'm almost expecting them to get it. I'm like, okay, they're you know relying too much on the cushion of the yardage, and then not even that. Okay, third and second. I get you know it would have been a lot harder if we had gotten that third and second. What do you think they're gonna? We let Matt Ryan fall two yards for the first down. You can't put Phil Hoskins' you know, giant body in front of them. You know we we've got giant guys that we can put in front of, and you and you can't stop him on a quarterback sneak. What did you think he was gonna run? I I just I, I don't I don't know. I'm, the run defense is you know atrocious. I don't I where is are Morgan Fox and Yeter even on the team anymore? I haven't heard or I haven't heard or seen them in forever. They played. They played. They've not been very effective. I mean, I'll give Derek Brown credit for it today though. He Derek Brown flashed off flashed off the screen today. I'll give him credit. Um, but just you know, you would think for as much as much as we put into that defense and trying to be better. As a run defense, we've not got any return on investment thus far. No, and we started the season off, you know, flying around, hitting hard. If you guys remember way back when in those first three games, like it wasn't just because we were playing bad teams. Surely that helped, but we were playing inspired on offense and defense, and we we're playing physical. And now as the season's gone on, we've just softened up and we're not coming to the point of attack and coming, you know, with that extra, you know, hitting power and that physicality that we need. And uh, really just overall as a defense have softened up big time. And, you know, there has been bright, bright spots. Sean Tees, I completely agree with you. Derek Brown was hard not to notice today, um, which is good because you know being the the seventh overall pick, you kind of you kind of hope he turns into something at defensive tackle there. But um, yeah, we need to try something new. Try something new on defense because you know, on offense we see some changes and like we're at least like trying to make a little bit of stride. But defensively, it's the same story every week. And uh, you know. I want to see him change it up. Get Jeremy Chan closer to the ball. Let's let's try to recreate some of our high spots um, that we've had earlier in, in this year and then going back to last year. Um, for Phil Snow, he just needs to put it all together because he really hasn't up until this point. And the problem is we talk about, you know, we, we were talking about beforehand how, like, I mean, we're, everyone's kind of stuck in the situation right now. And, and it's Brady, I you know, hell, Brady might have gotten the mercy of getting out of it. But right now, like, the problem is going to become is that, not only is Rule stuck with Cam, because I don't know who he would be able to get that would be better. And PJ still as much as like we he's not a starting quarterback. He's just he's just not. He's a he's a backup quarterback. <clears throat> you know, he's one of the Geno Smith, Tyler Huntley, you know, he's he's that he's that kind of guy. He's just not gonna be your, your starting quarterback. But I'm trying to think of defensive coordinators we could get. I don't I can't or or actual or offensive coordinators we can get. Like we all it's easy to say Eric Bianami, you know, um freaking um Ken Moore, you know, for for head coach. But as far as coordinators go, I don't, I, I don't know who, I don't even know who we would look toward to try to steal, you know, or try to interview. I, I really don't. And so it's gotten to the point where I'm like, well, I want to get rid of them, but like, shit, what are we going to do after that? You know, rule can't call defensive plays. We don't have anybody. I mean, at this point, I would go knock on Keekley's door and see, hey, I, you can coach, right? Like you, ain't, you're gonna, no one's going to hit you. you no one's going to touch your head, but you can, you can coach, right? 
So at, at this point, bro, anything I like I said, I'm not as well versed in the coordinator world. Once we get past head coaches and offense coordinators, I'm I'm really in the dark as, as far as who who's really available at, at at this point. I mean, like honestly, the only thing I can say is the whole staff. The whole staff has to at this point. The only way you can really get better is by getting rid of the entire staff. Because I don't think anybody working under with Matt Rule under Matt Rule, I don't, I don't think we're gonna have success in this in, with the, with this franchise with anybody with Matt Rule ties of, of being here. I mean, like I said, Eric, Eric B would have been. I mean, that was the higher. At least I know I want. I think I, I know uh, plenty of other people wanted wanted that higher as well. I mean, imagine if we would have had Eric B a couple years ago. Cam would have never left. We'd be probably working towards our next quarterback. Waiting in the wings behind Cam, and we would probably be better off than what we are right now. So I mean, it's just this is one of those situations where I don't know. We just we're just a team with no direction right now. We know we have no draft picks, uh, little to no cap space after after some of the graphics I've seen as of like the past couple of days. So we're just a team really stuck in no man's land right now. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really weird spot because, you know, knowing David Tepper and having known that he's from the Steelers organization where they don't really move on from head coaches. They, they really don't. And uh, the, the exception when it comes to Tepper is he's not very patient and is willing to move on with anything in life. So uh, we'll see kind of where that goes. I do think I do think there is a chance that after the season rule is gone, um, it's it's close though. I mean, more than likely he's back for at least another year and we see how it goes. But um, I mean, we, we already are in the position of, you know, who, who are we going to hire as offensive coordinator and then potentially defensive coordinator and um, you know, going out to get Joe Brady uh, from Matt rule when, when he got the job was going after a younger um, taking a risk on a guy as offensive coordinator. And he goes from, you know, last off season getting head coaching interviews to now being fired midway through the season. So uh, some drastic change there. So we'll see what route, if Rule's still around, where he goes in hiring that OC. Um, a guy that comes to mind for me is uh, Chiefs quarterback coach, Mike Kafka, former, former Eagles coach or quarterback. And so that could be a potential potential guy that they could grab because you're not getting another offensive coordinator um, from the NFL that comes to the Panthers or anybody really um, in major college football too. It, because, you know, why would they leave to come coach this mess that we got here? So, um, you know, make, making a position coach, a quarterback coach, the OC is, you know, a potential thing that could happen. And Kafka, obviously, you know, with the enemy, with Mahomes, with Andy Reid, uh, could be somebody that we look at. But uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of discussion about this. And, you know, maybe we are just looking for our next head coach in a couple of months. Well, because the problem is going to become is that, you know, especially like – we're in that same weird, awful spot that we, you know, we got really, really, really lucky. We got like people, I don't think people understand how lucky we got in 2011, getting Cam and Rivera at the same time where we were coming up. We, we knew Fox was out because that's how it's supposed to go. We knew Fox was out the door. He had to go. We didn't have any quarterbacks there. We were, you know, all that stuff. So we were, we fell to the number one spot, hired a new coach and, Cam and, and we're able to get Cam. You know, it could have been a lot different had you know, say Andrew Luck came out of the draft. You know, that year before, or 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 you know, or when you know it happened, it could have been a whole lot different. And Fox might have, you know might have stayed. It might not. We might not have had the situation where. But now the problem is going to become it's like the Titans or the Browns or you know, 
um, some of these other teams where you have to figure out, are you going to get your coach first or are you going to get your quarterback first? Because these young guys in college, we've seen it. Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield. It's we're seeing it with you know Trevor Lawrence right now because clearly I mean Urban Meyer is not going to be there much longer. But like if you don't have a consistent coaching staff, that really puts a dent in the in in the development of a of a young quarterback. Like that has a huge role to play to the point where like they're going to only become so good. Like these guys, I mean, we look at Baker Mayfield, you know Johnny Manziel, uh, Marcus Mariota, guys that were insane, insane in college and looking to go to the next level. And you know, there's always that stipulation of how good are they going to be at the next level. But having a rotating door of coaches and coordinators is not going to help that in the slightest. So it's like, Absolutely. which problem do you deal with first now? Exactly. I mean, you look at guys like like a Matt Jones, for example. Look at how great he looks in comparison to the rest of his class. But we will all say, out of all the quarterbacks taken in the first round, Matt Jones is, low, is the lowest on the totem pole as far as talent. Trevor Lawrence, by far, is the most talented quarterback. But we all know he's got the worst coaches. Probably has alongside probably fields. With Matt Nagy probably has the worst coaching situation of all the of all the rookie quarterbacks. And back to the earlier point that Tyler said, coaching puts a cap on whatever talent level is out there. So I mean, and, and like and like you said, Jack, um, what? How do we go about with this team? Do we go quarterback? First, do we go quarterback first, or you go coach first? I mean, at the end of the day, you you go you gotta go you gotta go coach first. You gotta go coach first. And, and but the thing about any coach. This is why I didn't understand about Rule when he got here. You want to marry yourself to mediocre quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? You, like, you know, like, you know, like, the, the biggest, like, any great coach, they're always married to a, usually a, maybe not a Pantheon great, but usually a, usually a solid, you know, close to being a Hall of Fame as quarterback. Like, you know, Belichick before Tom wasn't was going to be out of a job. Very soon, even in New England, until he got Tom, that, that that changed everything. Sean Payton's married to Drew Brees, Tony Dungy, Peyton Manning. You know, all all of these coaches are usually married to solid quarterbacks. So I mean, I, to to think that you want to marry yourself to Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold in your first two seasons, and think you have a legitimate shot of having sustained success with those two quarterbacks, who even when Teddy, even when we got Teddy Bridgewater, he only had he only had one. Full season of being a starter and going to the playoffs. Aside from that, it was all moonlight work, just 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 coming in different spots. He never he had never had sustained success with being a starter for consecutive seasons. So again, I, I'm not under, I, I can't understand why a new coach wouldn't have wanted to go get go get his guy, a young guy to grow with and develop with. Could, that could that could have at least bought you the time. And I've always said that we'll put himself on the clock when he started when, when he went with these veteran quarterbacks. And these mishaps and these and these restoration projects at quarterback instead of going just completely youth. Right. Yeah. And it's an interesting discussion because I'd say these last two off seasons, like we talked about, very action packed, especially compared to previous off seasons in Panthers history. And we all kind of saw them as pivotal off seasons in the development of where our team was going to be going. But now looking ahead to the next, you know, several months. It's kind of it's a it's a scary off season because it is truly pivotal in wh where we go from here. Whether you know who do we keep um, from the coaches down to the players, or, or who who do we retain, and then it all comes back to quarterback. You know, weak quarterback class right now. We, we don't know where we're going to be picking, of course. But um, if you, if we are sitting in that middle middle spot of the draft um, and decided to you know take a quarterback finally, 
Rule could be making a big mistake in trying to catch up by passing on uh, potential quarterbacks in recent years. So it, it's it's going to be a scary offseason because I know whatever happens now and, you know, knowing that we don't have a future at quarterback right now on the roster um, is going to change things. And uh, it's, it's going to be important to see who the head coach is during all these decisions. I see. I think I don't even know if I would go so far as to say that the rule made a mistake and stay with me here. I think rule knew exactly what he was doing. Think about, I mean, first time we've ever seen a head coach that has never coached in the NFL before, never been a you know, never been a head coach in an NFL program, get seven years off of the bat. If I'm Matt rule and, or if I'm thinking about Matt rules perspective, he's got seven years and yes, those are conditional. You know, if you don't do well, you mean you're not going to finish out that seven years. But he's already got that security of seven years. So in his mind, he's going to play it safe or do the options that give him no expectations. The Panthers at the time, you know, new GM out of there. Their two best players, you know, their two generational players, Greg Olson and Luke Lee, both leave. And Thomas Davis all leave, you know, in that area. They're gone. You have McCaffrey, you have Cam. So you get rid of the one guy who would have, you would have had expectations around if you can't do this with cam it's not going to be good so you get rid of cam you bring in a safe option who he could play he's serviceable and if he does really good you're going to look you're going to look smart as hell if he doesn't do well the blame's going to be put on him us included same way you come around you don't draft a rookie quarterback because then there's expectations on how you have how that rookie quarterback performs so you pick up a guy that has no expectations if it's amazing then you look like a genius if it sucks the blame gets put on him, and he does it himself by throwing it under the fire. You don't that he he doesn't pick coordinators that have established you know reputations. You pick guys that are are either safe and people know nothing about, or you pick the experiments, the guys that you know have potential but are unproven. That way, if they don't prove themselves, it's not on you; it's on Brady. And then the blame gets put on Brady either by yourself or by the media. He's done this time and time and time again. And so if I'm seeing, I'm going, I think he's doing this shit on purpose. I think he's absolutely, I think he's conning the entirety of the organization because that's the only rationalization I can make for how just short-sighted he could be because he's done all this to himself. And then even today with Cam, I'm sorry. I, the Cam pick, the pick was not great. The fumble not a good look, but to take Cam out of those situations, it was it was not oh utilizing PJ and Cam. It was it was a benching, it was a punishment. He put Cam back in after P that oh PJ started doing bad, and then he blames you know quarterback can't commit two turnovers. Okay, got that. You had three third and thirteens on defense, and they converted on all of them. Your defense can't do that. It was not like using Cam now as the scapegoat, which is what he's done again. So now you you're allowing Cam to come back in because. If Cam comes in and sets the world on fire, oh my God, the second coming of Christ, you're a genius. Now you can, do, but if he fails, oh, Cam's not the quarterback he once was. Cam doesn't have it in him. It's not on rule. It's on Cam. So I think rule, I think rule knows exactly what he's doing. I, I think he knows absolutely what he's doing. And he's just going to, and he's just going to play the scapegoat card up until finally he is the either up until we, you know, call him out on or until he's the only person left to be blamed that we have the ability to do. Cause now McCaffrey, you pay him, you pay him the deal. Oh, he got injured. We can't have a running attack because our X factor player isn't here. Wait till we have our X factor healthy. Then I'll show you what I can do. It just. It's crazy enough though. I've, I've, I've heard people, people have argued me down. 
last point you made about McCaffrey. People argue me down about like, hey, well, I mean, how can you really expect anything if if McCaffrey's not on the field? Well, again, I had to keep saying this. I'm like, bro, well, if the basis of your success was going to be based off of a single player and that player being a running back, then we have bigger questions than just running back. We have we, we, there's way more questions that we had to ask. Like, wait, you didn't plan. Sustainable group, like you didn't, like you didn't plan, like okay, but Kathy was your was your was your long starter to move forward, so you didn't plan on being a sustainable offensive line for him. Like, like, what was the thought process in that? I mean, what what was the thought process when you you signed Cam Irving and Pat Pat F on day one? There were other guys available, guys that we knew that were better than these two guys, and even you know how bad the Pat F line and Cam Irving signings were. We first made the signings after we we call we should all go back and listen to to what we said. We all knew immediately what, what it was. Those are bargain bin signings. I don't think these are going to be long term fixes. So, yeah. I ain't going to lie, but you, you got a point. I'm not, not going to hold you. Yeah. We like a consistency aspect of it in all things, like, like you're talking about. These are in left tackle. One of the most important positions on the field is, you know, being bypassed and, you know, filled with stopgap players. And as soon as I, you know, was on Twitter today and read that Dennis Daly was going in at left tackle, I knew it was over um, because because that, that's been a mess as well. And, um, you know, just the lack of consistency overall, the whole quarterback situation. I can't stand when head coach, you know, they try to go with the, the two quarterback thing and going back and forth. And it just it's just really tough for both guys involved and then the rest of the team and, um, I think, you know, this season and especially we can st- actually start to see some of the emotion and frustration taking place more than ever. I think, um, you know, the NFL has gotten a lot better with these camera angles, I, I will say. And they're capturing a lot more footage <laughs> and stuff. And you can see some of these players reactions. They, they got a couple of close up of Brian Burns today. and He is frustrated. They are, this team is frustrated and they, they're not liking um what's going on and they know more than us that i mean they're with these guys every single day so there there's definitely stuff going on um with we're, we see that final outcome on sunday but saturday friday the, the rest of the week stuff's going on too that you know it's probably not being done the right way based on how our outcomes have been so all this will be evaluated and uh, we'll be told the truth in, in the end with all of this I mean, I, it's even, and this could be a bit more conspiracy based, but when was the last time we had a mic'd up on any form of social media? When was the last time we saw any player and heard any? I'm serious. When was the last time we heard any player mic'd up and they showed the footage of it? Back in training camp, we had the camp confidentials. They were doing in depth stuff. And last season, they would show the midweek stuff, practices. When was the last time we saw one of those? I mean, you don't do that. You don't do that. You don't do that miss when you losing. You don't want to show, you don't want to show that. That's where that's where it stops. Nah. That's what that's where all the access stops right there. This ain't hard knocks. See, now we gotta now this this everybody wanna do their own little version of hard knocks when it got real popular. But notice when it, when the going gets rough, we cut cut them cut the mics off now. Cut kill that shit. We don't want to hear that. <laughs> See, my argument with the McCaffrey th- situation is, and this is where like I really wish Tepper, because this this is where Tepper's impatience kind of killed everything. Because if Tepper would have taken a little bit more time, realized where, like, get rid of your GM first, leave the coach for a year, and realize what you were doing with this crusty ass, get, you know, leaving him in here. He didn't need to be there. Let him go. And, and give your coaches another chance. Because, I mean, we talk about McCaffrey. Like, 
okay, you can't tell me, like, we look at 2015, we look at 2016. When Cam was out, we were still competitive in games with Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke. When Greg would go down, Ed, that was that 2015 mentality was next man up. Stewart goes down, Cap or Fozzie comes in. Greg goes down, Ed Dixon comes in. Hell, Cam goes down, Derek Anderson can come in and at least hold his own for 15 damn minutes. And it makes me really upset because the problems with our roster when Rivera left was the was our uh, lack thereof of a GM that was able to make any moves to help out the current talent we had. And then unfortunately, the age of the talent we did have and, you know, kind of holding on to it, realizing they needed to go. And the problem is that Rivera, honestly, with the, Rivera would have, in my opinion, I know everyone had their stipulations about Rivera there at the end. But in my opinion, I think Rivera would have eaten up this defensive list, this positionless defense. I think he would have had a blast with it, in my personal opinion. Sending all those different guys, different blitz. I mean, I've seen like two different blitz packages in the last like three weeks that have been actually different. I've seen two different formations that have actually been, and, and you know, maybe some all 22s would, would, you know, negate that point. But I just, it, it sucks because I think that had, you know, Rivera maybe had a year with the age of the guys we had now, Rivera. If, even if it wasn't the best defensive mindset, I mean, he would have just been able to coach these guys up a hell of a lot more than what, because he saw what he did with, you see what his staff was doing with Washington up until Chase Young going down, you know, that defense was running pretty damn well. Even, you know, last year, it was one of the best defenses around there for a good amount of time, keeping them in games. And that's the problem you have here is that the next man up doesn't work here because that guy's getting less coaching than the starters. So he's not getting anything at all. Yeah, you know, with, with Ron, it, it, you look at how Ron and Matt Rule built their, built their two teams. It's just two starkly different ways that, 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 that they went about it. You know, you know, Ron was always about – he wanted veteran leadership on the, on the field at all times, no matter what position. Yeah, man, I mean, that 2014 team was probably one of the oldest defenses I've ever seen be that elite for that, for, for that many weeks. And you know, I and and again, he 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 bring he brings young guys along slowly. If you look at what he did with Brian Burns' rookie year, Adam. Now, now that's kind of where things started going left with fans and Ron with the Brian Burns situation. But again, he likes to bring rookies along slowly. I mean, even look at what how, how how they did Cam. They even brought Cam along slowly. When you think of they had they had the veteran guys there, and Cam really wasn't the leader until about late twenty fourteen in that in that playoff run. 2013, that was a defensive-led group and an offense that was great as a as a total unit, not necessarily based off of Cam's uh, Cam's uh, ability uh, in and of in and of itself. Whereas, th- whereas how Rules built these built these teams is he wanted to do. It's not like he he wanted to do it that way, but he just didn't know how to pick personnel. Like going going and only getting guys that you work with may lend yourself to the best uh, I, you know the best out of, these, out, of these, out, of these, out of these situations like familiarity is one thing but can you evaluate talent of guys that you haven't seen like how the guys you haven't played with like can can you do that and and again being able to bring in the right guys that again don't have any ties to you whatsoever i mean every guy that's had an impact on this roster to this point has been a matt rule guy and again when you can't get out of your own way and again that's that that all falls down to not having true NFL experience. Like he was the offensive line coach at one point, but he doesn't he doesn't have the the experience or, or, or the foresight enough to be able to go look at what guy may may have done on somebody's practice squad two years ago and say, Okay, maybe we can apply we, we can take that and, and apply that here. It's only been the guy that he's worked with and I think it's really limited how he's built this roster.
And I think, you know, in hiring Matt Rule, you can see a lot of similarities at first with him and Ron. And, um, you know, Ron did it the right way. We know that. Um, but at the, at the end of their time, it was it was time to move on with Ron. And at that time where we, we fired him and brought in Rule, Rivera was still the better coach. We just needed to take a risk to get ourselves to the next level. And going with Rule, he brings a lot of the, you know, the same aspects as Rivera and at least what he preaches on the outside that, you know, he wants to go for the blue collar, roll up the sleeves, tough guy football, which is what the Panthers played for almost a decade there. And, um, and, you know, that's what he preaches and that's the image he tries to you know bring across. But a lot of his actions and a lot of his moves just do not represent that. Like the benching of the quarterbacks and going back and forth today just does not represent the tough football team that we need to be as the Panthers because, um, you know, looking back, the reason that we went to the Super Bowl and the reason that we had the success that we did in the 2010s wasn't because we had the best players. We, we weren't the bet, one of the better rosters in the NFL. It was because we did things the right way. We had great leaders, veterans at the right positions, and we were a tough football team that could do it week in and week out at a consistent level. And with Rule, it's, it's too streaky and inconsistent because of the guys um, that we're bringing in. The youth is great, but you still need to be able to – contribute on a week-by-week -week basis this isn't madden where we're you know punting every single season to try to bring young guys and hope they develop like this is real life and you can get fired at any point in time so you need to be able to establish these position rooms with a with a good balance of youth and potential and then some and then some veterans that can keep everything in check so i think that's where rules gone wrong and his his whole head coaching you know, trip with trying to balance this, oh, young athletic skill guys with old veteran trustworthy leaders. And I think that was the issue, the kind of dichotomy of the two, uh, you know, of the two organizations under either coach was that with Rivera, with Rivera, you had that foundation. There was just a problem of getting the pieces to fall into place to, you know, benefit off of that foundation and that, you know, kind of identity you had set up here. We've got, We've got young pieces falling into place. We got those free agents coming into play, you know, other than the offensive line, but there's no foundation for them to for them to build off of. They're coming in and they're falling flat on their face because, like, you know, there's nothing going on. I mean, I don't know what our like. I, I don't. I'm trying to remember who our defensive backs coach is, but he is. I mean, I've. I mean, I've got some issue there because there's a. If this is the best, you know, in on paper defensive back group we have had in a long while. Now injuries, of course, had their you know. Play, plagued every player here and there, but as far as at least cornerbacks go and, you know, free safety better than we've had in well years since probably the Super Bowl. And even then those were older, older guys that were just able to, to gel. And there's been no, you know, really, I mean, we know what Gilmore brings. Dante looked like he was going on the up and then started kind of faltering off a little bit. Chin. I mean, the numbers show that he, in terms of tackles, He's on the, as on par from what he was doing last season, but I mean, for a free Impact safety, and for a free safety, I'm sorry, but tackles isn't gonna cut it. Just tackles isn't gonna cut it. I need, I mean, he's gotten an, just as many pass breakups, but that was four in the whole season to the five he has now. Like that's still not gonna, I, I, like that's still not gonna, that's not gonna go over well. And with CJ, I mean, like I said, we see why he was available, but there's still that raw ability you would hope, and I just don't think there's anything for him to listen to. Same with the offensive line. I think it's the fact that at this particular point in time, we haven't seen, you know, Christensen has been in once or twice. We haven't seen Deontay or, you know, some of these other guys cut, like they're just not, they don't want to try. They don't want to try. They don't want to use them. Dennis Daly has 
fallen off the face of the earth. I, I don't know what's happened with him. And I feel really bad because I thought he was a good prospect. And that's another one of those issues with, you know, displacing the blame. Let's take Taylor out of the position he was thriving in and, and, and then, you know, plug our hole with just this guy who should be, who could be good and it could be a good idea, but if it falls through, it's not my fault. He's not playing at his position. And instead of focusing on getting an actual cemented left tackle or, tra- you know, coaching up your set, your third round draft pick. That's, that's my biggest thing. And, and I think it would have been, you know, it's, it's less evident without JC being in. I, I think we would have seen more of an impact with JC playing the whole season, but you're number one and you're number two, your top three draft picks have amounted to what this season? I think, I think Terrace had a touchdown or, or a two point conversion. I think two point conversion. I mean, it's amounted to nothing. Chuba has been the only one that has shown any sort of, you know, actual impact on this team. And that's only because McCaffrey quite literally isn't playing. And, and, and that's where I think, you know, that's that foundation you got. I mean, great draft picks right off the bat, even, you know, with the issues of Terrace, you know, in my issues with Terrace at that point, still a dominant, you know, a, a wide receiver who trained with a great group of wide receivers. You had one of the best corner, the best cornerback in the country coming out of the draft. And of course injuries, that's, Neither here nor there. It still sucks. But I mean, even when the couple games he played, he wasn't blowing. It wasn't Josh Norman type numbers, which I know that's a different. But, you know, it, was, it wasn't really Jalen Ramsey or Josh Norman types numbers. He had that impact. And then with Brady, I mean, I it, if you were going to draft a lineman in the third round with how bad our line was, I don't see why he wasn't starting from the get-go. Especially you know, with the condor-like wingspan he had that everyone was frothing over the mouth I, over. And not only that, a guy that was a left tackle in college and was deemed, at least by PFF standards, deemed the best left tackle in college football that uh, the, the, the the previous season, and not even giving him a legitimate shot to play left tackle. We we asked the same question during training camp, and I, I know I, I know we asked him. I even when I went, I didn't understand why. I said, why is he not working in at left tackle? I mean, do, why would I mean why would you take a guy out of his natural position? I mean, I understand out better as a guard and seeing he, he has he may have the traits of uh, that may that may translate better to being a guard but i mean at least give him a shot like you weren't we weren't even giving him a, the, the opportunity and you know, this 2021 draft class for as much as i thought we i can't remember how we quite graded this group out at least at the at the initial point but they've done nothing in comparison to the 2020 class the 2020 class elite from from day one came onto the field and we had to play them, obviously, because of the situation. The 2021 class, it's hard. We, we don't, we don't really know much about this class right now. JC only played a couple, a couple of games. Terrence Marshall has has played, but doesn't doesn't touch the ball nearly at all. Brady Christensen, we again struggled to even get onto the field. But when we get him onto the field, is at is at an unnatural position, and we ha- we still have another position that he could very well fill. Tommy Trumbull. I know what he's a, he's a he's a developmental piece. We know who he is. Chuba Hubbard, see more of him, like you said, of course, because McCaffrey's been out. But again, we still don't know what he'll what he'll be moving forward. And guys like Shy, Deontay Brown, we haven't seen them at all. They've done that really. yeah. and, then, and then you drafted a punt. I'm uh, uh, sorry, a, a long snapper. You should have drafted off of the lineman even then, because there were there were, there were off of the lineman that went at that same juncture. Producing for other teams. Yeah, and you know, looking at the draft, I don't, I don't 
think the picks are bad. Of course, there's going to be the talk in the first round about the quarterback or not. But I think the draft was geared towards, uh, you know, future success. Young guys that were not ready right away that were going to get ready down the road. Even when it comes to drafting a football team and dra- making draft picks, there's a there's a difference between drafting a, a guy that just turned 20 years old and started one year of college for football versus a guy that started, you know, multiple years at the college level is experienced and is ready right away. You may not have the upside that a lot of these other guys do, but when you're coming in and, and built, basically building a team from scratch, when, when rule came in, in in 2020, it was, we're building this team from scratch. And, you know, like I said, building that veteran presence within the rooms, that doesn't mean just signing old free agents. I can't run anymore. It, it, you can, you can kind of give some variance in the draft too with, okay, the, all these guys are now players that can maybe contribute in year three and are very high upside players. But now we need some guys that, hey, this guy can help us right away. His upside is not as good as the other guy. So maybe we should take a shot on him. So I think finding that balance as well in the draft. I still, looking back, really like the draft and think it's going to turn out. But when you're not addressing some of these areas of, uh, like, you know, the consistency aspect of things with our team and, you know, trying to be able to fill the best football team that upcoming year is something that I question with Rule and the rest of the staff. Uh, yeah, I think, and again, it speaks to what we've been talking about, where I don't think Rule wants those guys. I, there's a reason why, you know, you get guys like Hassan Reddick and Stefan Gilmore. They, you know what they're going to bring. You know what they're about. They're going to do it themselves. They're not going to make a big fuss. I think that was a big reason as to why. Like, I know, you know, I don't know how it would have worked out with – um. Oh crap! I can't remember his name now. The one, the one linebacker we signed that we cut before the season started. Perryman. Thank you, Perryman. I mean, there was obviously not a willingness to to work with him, and then he had an impact with the Raiders. Or imagine if we would have gotten, you know, someone, you know, a bit more uncut like Matthew Judon. Could I mean, could you imagine if we were able to get him? That would, he would have gone crazy. But instead, you know, we go with these guys where rule doesn't have to you know, push the bill at all, and that's another reason why you get these these bargain bin guys, these other where you don't like. Because he knows he can't coach those guys. He, I think he knows it full well. I think there's no reason why, especially with the it being a former Steeler, that David Tepper wouldn't have seen David DeCastro and go, hey, look, there's a guard. Let's go get David DeCastro. Yeah, he's a bit older, but the guy can play because it's not going to, you know, it's not, it's just another per- person who's going to know more than you or, or, or no, not want to listen to some of the ideas that you have. And I think that's why you get your, and some of them worked out great, obviously, like Hassan Reddick. Morgan Fox there had, you know, had his, he had his moments, even with Daquan Jones, Daquan Jones kind of fell off the face of the earth. That kind of sucks. I don't know what happened to him. And cause they even started giving Phil Hoskins more playing time over him, a guy that Tepper knew and a guy that Tepper liked the whole, he's, he's nepotism and a coach, which is really odd because I don't know why you, we talked about it last week. Why would you not? Like, I understand what Brady, you know, all of the, the hype Brady brought, but why would you not? Also, if you're gonna go full nepotism, why would you not have your best, your high school best friend and roommate be your offensive coordinator from the get go? That's, I mean, that's what I was confused about. Like, if you were had, if you were running with him, why not run with him? That that situation, I I, I thought I, I thought about the situation earlier today. I was like, I, I just couldn't imagine how I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine being Jeff Nixon and, and and having to have the conversation of. You know, yeah, we've been we've been coaching side by side for all of these years. I coach, I was your, I was your OC at Baylor when you when you got this job, and partially you let's be let's be real. I mean, Phil Snow and, and Nixon were both there. You partially got this job because of the work we did. Like, it wasn't just it wasn't a solo act. And get to this level, and you go with uh, go with Joe Brady, who again we don't even know if he called the play. 
that's, that's what those weird situations where you know I I, I can't really speak I I can't really speak to to the psyche that went on there. I couldn't imagine how that played over with Nixon. I I, I gotta imagine it doesn't go over well, even though even if that is somebody you know and somebody you've been cool you've been uh, cool with. I can't imagine that that's a, a conversation that's easy to have. Yeah, that's a weird one. It's a weird one. It's your your guy, your whole your whole you know coaching career, and he's not going to be your right hand man once you once you make it to that next level. But um, you know, just really interesting to see how it all stacks up. And uh, the end of the year, it's going to be to me. If I were in charge, and you know, I would I would let Rule finish out the season because hiring or firing a head coach at this point in the year doesn't do a whole lot for you unless you really unless you really know you're, you're done with him. So if I'm in charge of this thing, I'm, you know, making sure no, rule knows like he, the pressure is on for him. This, this seven year contract that he signed, he can't just cruise through this thing. He better not be able to think of that at this point, because he, he should feel like he's on the hot seat right now. And he needs to reinvent this team in a couple of weeks here to, to give himself a shot. If it were me, if it were me, he needs to, you know, have, have the Panthers come out and look like a completely different team these next couple of weeks and, you know, reestablish, uh, what what we have here because he's done it before and that's the reason he's got the job right like rule isn't he's not an idiot. like he's done this before and he's he's done had success in the past and he, he has capabilities to, to build an nfl team he just needs to you know take these lessons and learn from them and maybe listen to his I, all right so, so talking about this whole thing with jeff nixon and then uh the rest of the staff i feel that rule is i feel this is just complete complete guessing i feel like he's he's one of the, a coach that is not going to take a lot of advice from his assistants he he, he kind of thinks he's the smartest guy in the room he wants to make the call because he's had success i could see some of that that self that overriding confidence in him um just just a complete guess but he needs to take other thoughts and opinions from the rest of the staff the leaders of the team brian burns who is not very vividly is not liking what's going on here and um you know run with him because it, because what he's been doing so far hasn't worked, and he needs to change the way he he does things. Not when it comes to organizing and play calling, but you know, different people's input as well in the organization. Because it's not just him; it can't be just him. The best teams and best organizations um, aren't ran by one man, um, and it's a, it's a lot of people with a lot of input. And and Rule needs to understand that as he reinvents this team and you know, tries to you know prove to Panthers fans that he is the future here. And, uh, and let me say this just to, as we round it out, like, to because uh, it's in the sports world, we get so kind of put the blinders on, like, I'm not, I don't want to wish any, any harm on this man. I don't want him to lose his job, but there is a, you know, you work in this arena and there is a level of, you know, of, of, of performance that you have to put across to, to keep your job security. And the problem is too, I also don't have a whole lot of sympathy for him because he did this to himself. There was no clock. There was no clock. You could, he could have come in and said, we're in a rebuild. We're gonna go with the and you and make the decisions that make me believe we're on a rebuild and not make decisions that make me go, okay, you're trying to win now. He put himself on the clock here. And I'm really and, and that's what irked me so much about, you know, this is gonna take three years in the locker room speech. Well, what is that? Is that three years from when you get in here? Is that three years from when you get a established quarterback? Like what does the three years reset every time? You know, a, a piece moves in and out of the uh, of the puzzle. What where does that because like if if by your standards then if three years was three years from when you come in, I'm expected a Super Bowl next year. I'm expected a playoff run next year. And if you ain't making that, then you're then you're out the door. And if I was, you know, if I'm in the front office, I'm giving him whatever spiel they gave Rivera back in twenty, you know, in twenty 
2013, 2014, whichever year. Yeah, I, I think 2013. I think he was, he was, Rivera was on the brick of getting fired after that, after year two. It was, it was those four weeks he went, he went, I think it was one in three in those first four games. And they were like, all right. And we had a bye week and they're like, you're okay. You got the rest of this seat. You, you, you got the rest of the season. You got a month. That's and then proceeded to go eight. No, or maybe I think it was eight and one and, uh, or however much it was and get us in the playoffs. And that's, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you the month. You got the first four weeks of the season. And if we are, if, if we're below 500, dependent upon the schedule we have coming out, Time to hit the bricks. So I, I don't know though. I, I really don't anymore with with this organization. That's the, that's the main problem is that like we used to have a, a basis to go off of some sort of you know some sort of guidelines or some sort of you know rubric and now I, nothing. I, it's all it's all new. It's all brand new. And again, as we wrap this thing up, I mean, look, I want to believe in rule. I I, I want to believe in what what this team is building. Um. Like, like Tyler said, it's gonna take some soul searching within Matt Rule to say, "Look, I gotta, I gotta start deferring. I gotta start looking at these things a little bit differently." And and, and maybe keeping, uh, maybe certain guys can, can can help him do that. And again, I don't, we don't know what the quarterback situation to be will be next year. I gotta imagine though, it has to be if it absolutely has to be Cam that have, have to come back, Sam, chance and listen to the to the guy, listen. Change the culture. Take some tips. This guy's been in the league for for over a decade. He knows a lot more football than you right now in this particular space. Man, take it. You know, just take a chance to listen and hopefully change the trajectory of your coaching tenure in this franchise moving forward, man. So, uh, I pretty much got to say at that. It's, 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 at that point. Other than keep pounding. <laughs>